0: Música e
1: ASN Podcast Episode Twenty Nine. We are twenty nine now.
2: Twenty nine years of age,
1: baby. Twenty nine, and it's been a little bit, right? It's been a. It hasn't been two weeks since we've done one, but it's been closer to two than one.
0: Uh, it has been exactly eleven days.
1: All right, eleven days. <laughs> I was right. Closer to two. That's than not one. that I was counting or anything. <laughs> I knew it was somewhere around there. That may I'm not going to deny it. Makes
2: sense.
0: Well, you know, this is the time of the year where things kind of start to to you know wind down a little bit. February was a you know a, a, a low key month in terms of sports, but things will obviously start to pick up now with spring training and the World Baseball Classic coming around and March Madness and you know the Knicks being a juggernaut in the Eastern Conference and the NBA. I'm sure things will pick up.
1: Yeah, and things always pick up in March. It's not just in college basketball. We just had the NHL trade deadline. Um it doesn't even it doesn't feel like it, but NFL free agency. The NFL offseason is pretty much right about to start. Uh baseball's starting to wind up. So there's a lot a lot going on. And uh yeah the Knicks are at
2: the forefront of it.
0: Yeah, I mean we, we got uh we got a nice little list of things that we want to talk about on here. I think the most proud thing that Dan and I want to talk about is how well the Knicks have been doing but we do have one thing that we want to mention before that and then before even we mention that we have to talk about how Dan Tracy has been this last 11 days.
1: Oh I am great. You know, I this is uh March is is one of the best times of the year so you know there's a there, there's a reason why I love this month. I'm very happy that we finally reached March. Um but uh, I I'm all good looking forward to, uh, to the the college basketball season wrapping up well, not wrapping up, but to the the exciting month ahead.
0: Yeah. I'm actually, you you know, you, you are just such a savant of college basketball that you kind of got me back into it. Like I said, previously in last episode, I haven't really been much of a college basketball guy for the last, maybe like four or five years, you know, I'll fill out a bracket but uh you know, to counteract that point, I'll fill out a women's college basketball bracket too. And I don't follow that either. So, you know, it's it's something that you have gotten me into a little bit. I'm still waiting for that uh 16th rank, 16th seed St. John's. Still waiting for it. Uh I know I probably won't get it, but if you could just sneak it into your last ranks just as a as a as a goof, it would be much appreciated by your your handsome but not as handsome co-host. Uh, but yeah no I'm excited for it too uh you know I'm excited for spring weather I'm excited that I wake up now to go to work and it's it's light out already it's not uh I'm I'm going to work in the dark and I'm coming home in the dark you know that that uh that part's over with it's always the most depressing point of the year as well uh it's an exciting time but well, um, I, I think we should get into it. The first thing we wanted to mention yeah. that doesn't really, I don't think, warrant much discussion, as Dan did say, is Damian Lillard dropping obviously a career high in points. Uh, it was 71, correct?
1: It was 71, which is exactly what, uh, what Donovan Mitchell had back in is, January. Is there been a
2: season
0: in the modern era where two guys have dropped 70-plus points in a season?
1: I don't think I don't think two guys have done it in the same season. I think Wilt Chamberlain did it multiple times in the same season. That's why I said
0: that's why I said modern era.
1: Yeah, yeah. But um, (laughs) but you have two guys that score seventy one. I mean, you know, for for just to show you how how rare it is. And I know scoring is up in the NBA, but seventy one, seventy one. Mitchell Donovan Mitchell's was the most when he did it. Was the most since Kobe Bryant uh, scored eighty one. So efficient
0: too. It was like
1: both of them. I mean, I guess you kind of have to be to score 71. If you're, you know, I feel like only James Harden with the Rockets might have been able to pull off an inefficient 71 with like 30 free throws. Um, But no, he never got there. Um, But yeah, Donovan Mitchell's 71 was the most in a game uh, since Kobe in 2006. Uh, So, you know, Lillard obviously tied that mark, but that's how rare it is. Devin Booker uh, scored 70 in 2017.
0: God, that feels like it was – That's that feels like it was a lot closer than six years ago.
1: Yeah, no, that was – that was a. He, well, he's he's still like, what, 27 years old, 28 yeah, years old? Yeah, I feel like he's and been in the he, NBA for like, into the like NBA. 15 years already. <laughs> he came into the NBA ridiculously young. That's why I think people – I know Devin Booker is a great player. But people are going to be shocked one day when he's like really high up the all-time scoring list because he just came in so young and scored yeah. from such a young age. He got that opportunity. I don't mean to turn this into a Devin Booker discussion, but he he got that he got an opportunity to score on these bad Suns teams at like 19 years old, Um and now you know now he's actually turned into like a, a great NBA player. So he's gonna be he's <coughs> gonna be really high up that list. And so was Lillard, who doesn't yeah. look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Actually, no, after, gonna look
0: really good in orange and blue next year, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, I think he's. <laughs> the ship has sailed if he wanted to leave portland he'd be out of portland by now i, you know, I mean I'll, I, it's at the point where i'll believe it when i see it him and bradley beal with the wizards if they wanted to go they'd be
2: gone
0: you know the nhl, not NHL the nba has really really missed out on some golden opportunities to take in the night you know but there's always that one storyline in sports that takes the night well unfortunately i mean this is a uh, you know circumstance that, you know, you can't control. The night that Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points, DeMar Hamlin died on an NFL field, uh, you know, and obviously
2: got,
0: obviously got brought back to life. And then, you know, Dame scores uh, in the West Coast, uh, you know, and, and I woke up and heard about it. I didn't – it wasn't like something that I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing, and I was watching. It was – late at night. So I feel like, I feel like we need to get like a dominant, like we need to see like a quadruple double or something like on at like 7 PM, you know, like I need to see like Mitchell Robinson get like a quintuple double or something. You know, we need to see something that just takes takes the nightly news by storm. Yeah, That's yeah.
1: called the, that's called the Joel Embiid when he has like 55 and 20, you know, like last year, last year he had a couple of those games, when he was pushing for MVP in like February, and March, where he just went completely nuts in like the seven o'clock window, you know, 50 points, 20 rebounds, that kind of thing. He yeah. Joe m.
0: M. is the seven o'clock version of 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. Cause you know, when the, when the playoffs come on, and it's an eight thirty game, he's usually out with an injury
2: or something.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just thought that that was interesting to say that like, you know, we can't get or even like a Sunday matinee, something where like, you know, like a, a 12 o'clock or 1 p.m. game where someone just goes off or like 60 or 70. Uh, we never see that. We always get it where, you know, I log onto to Instagram at six o'clock in the morning and I see a Dan Tracy All Sports News post saying that Damian Lillard scored 71. And I go, huh, how about that? I wish I was able to watch that. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of basketball, and I did mention the uh, orange and blue We have to talk about the New York Knicks, not just because we're Knicks fans, but the New York Knicks are firing on all cylinders, and this is just another turn in the tale of the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde season of the New York Knicks, where they're good, they're terrible, they're good, they're not great, and now they look like world beaters, beating some great teams along the way as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we were saying before we came on here, you know, when's the last time they've been... Uh, well, you know, 11 games over 500 is one thing. They finished 10 over 500 uh, two years ago in that great season. Um, but this this winning percentage is the best in a decade uh, since 2013, which was that Mike Woodson year where J.R. Smith was sixth man of the year and Carmelo Anthony was still at his best.
0: What a time um, to be alive.
1: And, you know I, know, I know he's not a perfect coach, but Tom Thibodeau has gotten two – shockingly good seasons out of this team in three years. I mean, you know, first of all, the year when they went, the reason why that 46 and 36, I hope I have that that record right, uh, that they season were. two years ago felt so amazing is the, the Knicks were expected to be literally the worst team in the NBA. I had them 30th in the league, and I had I had no regrets about it either. Julius Randle was coming off a terrible year. I mean, they, they looked like the worst roster in the league, um, and they were the fourth seed in the East, and Tom Thibodeau did that in year one. And of course last year was disappointing and it happens. Um kind of reminds you of the year the Knicks had after that Mike Woodson year in twenty fourteen. The only difference is they fired him. They didn't fire Thibodeau. Um but you know, this year they came into ex- came into the season with what? Expecting to be tenth maybe in the East? Yeah, or maybe I say ninth. You know, maybe ninth or eighth. That might be selling them short. But the whole thing when they added Jalen Brunson, um was, you know, it was like, oh, well, what are you trying to do? Like you're just gonna finish in the playing round, or you know, eighth in the east, or something like that, and you're spending this money on him for what reason?
2: Even he's I was been, thinking that. And, he's been and spectacular!
1: Look what they've done.
0: He's been incredible, and it also, of course, the uh, the the Knicks folklore of Josh Hart continues to grow as, of course, they haven't lost a game since they acquired him. But I mean, I'm looking at these. Stand- okay, you know when you go onto Google and you type in NBA standings and the first five teams pop up, and then you have to hit the button that shows you the full image. The Knicks are on that first five teams.
1: Which is and, a miracle.
0: Which is a miracle. I didn't even have to scroll down. The Knicks are only three and a half games out of the number three seed. Yeah. That's a lot to play for. And not only that, Dan, when was, if this ever was a time, that the Knicks were 11 games over five hundred? And the Sacramento Kings are twelve games over five hundred. They
1: keep winning too. I mean, they're, they're, has there ever there been, been a so time games? where that
0: has
2: happened?
1: <laughs> I, it's it's starting to become. It's it's hard to ignore how good the Kings are playing. Yeah, uh, thirty-seven and twenty-five. This is a significant
0: amount of games into the season. We can't go. Oh, it's okay. Well, I, yeah, you they know. won
1: again last night.
0: It was. It's kind of like. Doesn't this kind of feel like with the Knicks and the Kings? How like it felt with the Eagles? This year, where it was like, ah, they've gotten off to such a good start, they'll come crashing back down to earth. Next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not going to say that the Knicks or the Kings are going to be the marquee matchup of the NBA Finals. Honestly, that would probably be one of the most disappointing finals in in, in league history. I, I would be the Knicks best finals
1: in league history. <laughs> Forget disappointing. I would. I would be. Really. Well, for us, it
0: would be great, but <laughs> I mean, for everyone else, who's watching that, you'll see a lot of 89 to like 78 games or something like that. But I don't know. The, King,
1: the Kings just played a 176-175 yeah. game. Who knows? What with
0: 43.7. I mean, did you ever? I mean...
1: <laughs> the Lakers
2: are wondering where that was.
0: I mean, yeah, right? And so the, the Hornets, too. But you know, I just think it's great. I, I feel like I discussed this when the Knicks were decent two years ago on my ex show that like, it's just so good for the game of basketball when the Knicks are good. Yeah. It's like, and, and honestly, like we haven't really, I mean, in my lifetime, I don't think I ever have seen the Kings in the playoffs, but it has to be good for that. It's a feel good story. I mean, there every time that I see a highlight from, you know, when the Sacramento Kings are playing home basketball, the atmosphere is electric and I wouldn't think that it would be
1: yeah and you know back when the Knicks had that one year and they if you look at the last decade it really was that one year uh 2021 most of the year they weren't allowed to have a lot of fans in the building they had a few um in the playoffs you know where they ultimately just flopped um they they were allowed to have a bunch of fans in there and it was a good atmosphere but you know during the regular season you couldn't have the atmosphere that you had right now. Uh, so it's a, it's a unique year for the Knicks. And, yeah, you know, I'm looking at the standings here. Like you said before, there's a ton to play for. I mean, eight, yeah. you know, three-and-a-half games separates them and the Sixers in the third seed. Uh, and There's a huge difference between three, four, and five. Obviously, if you move up to four, you host the playoff series um, against whoever. And, yes, obviously that didn't work last time uh, against the Hawks. <laughs> they hosted it, and they won one game, which was at home. Hey, um,
2: but, it, but it's uh, something.
1: But if you know if you're going up against the Cavs, which is who they'd be playing right now, um, you need everything you can get. I mean, I think they'd be the underdog even if they were at home in that yes. series. So you need you need the home court advantage. But if you move up to three, and I'm not saying this is real, this is very uh, likely. You know, I, I I think the Sixers are a good enough team that they can hold off the Knicks. But if you move up to three, I mean, look at who you're playing in a playoff series like that completely changes because number six right now is the Nets. Who you know aside from that comeback against the Celtics last night, they're they're not a you know they're not a team that you'd be intimidated by in the playoffs. The Heat are seventh. The, I, the Knicks just beat them in Miami, so it's not a huge not a team you'd be too intimidated by. Although I, I do think the Knicks might be capable. Of, I think they'd be capable of losing to them. And then after that, it's the Hawks, and I don't think anybody else can realistically get up to six. So if you can if you can keep this going and move up to move up to three, just maybe. You're probably gonna advance, but uh
0: The Knicks got two bangs out of Mike Breen last night.
1: A double the rare double bang.
0: The rare double bang. Have the Knicks ever gotten a double bang before?
1: <laughs> I think I think Carmelo Anthony might have had one like a decade ago. Oh, I think ago. I remember
0: what it was. Was it on Easter against the Chicago Bulls?
1: Yes, I think that was it. I think you got it right. I, I knew it was. I knew it was against the Bulls. I couldn't think of. I knew there was like a special day because I don't think it was an MSG game. I think he just happened to be doing like a Knicks national game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Something Is like it,
0: that. See, just like this feels so good talking about this. Like usually there's like you know, an, just a revolving door of purgatory when we talk about the New York Knicks, and now it's just like. You know, I, I could smile when I mention the New York Knicks now and it, it's nice. But you know, I just hope that they keep it going. I don't expect them to win out all the games. But you know, if they can play competitive basketball like they've been doing, I mean I don't really remember the last game that the Knicks had been thoroughly dominated.
1: No, I mean there
0: losses, but I don't remember the last time I saw that. So it's it's nice to, you know, to get competitive basketball at MSG again and you know the Knicks fans are never going to turn on the Knicks. We've been there in the lowest of the lows. Uh, you know we're we're always looking for lower. Believe it or not, we always think, oh, it can't get worse than here, and it usually does. Yeah, it's it's nice to have a little bit of a turnaround now. As Kevin Malone once said in the office, it's just nice to
1: win one. And and I mean, that's the great thing about Tom Thibodeau, though. Is these games are always competitive. Like you know, they, they're not getting snapped like they were. Uh, yeah, the David Fisdale era, or really any oh, era before why? this. I still remember. Why
0: did I think that David Fisdale was a good coach? I, because Every time like, I went he to hell, was like, like, they're, they're going to turn it around. Yeah, that one press
1: conference with the Grizzlies that made people think he was like this amazing coach. No, I'm going to tell you what, not to go off on like a tangent, but what really happened is the Grizzlies in 2017, which was his first season, uh, lost everybody. Like The entire team went down to injury. At the end of his first year, um, and they they went like five and nineteen to finish the season, but they made the playoffs. And people were like, "What an amazing coach! He made the playoffs with like everybody being injured." And the realistic uh, the reality was, they dropped from like third to eighth because they couldn't win anything at the end of the year. And they were like, "How cool of him to get his competitive team into the playoffs?" Uh, you know, with all those injuries, what a coach that they got. Uh, and then you know it turns out that it didn't mean anything. They weren't good. They fired him like a month into the next season, uh, for, and promoted J.B. Bickerstaff, who's now the Cavs head coach, and we might see him in the playoffs. Um, it all comes full circle. But yes, you remember. I mean, you remember those days when, like, under Fizdale. I think the last the last game that they played under him before he was fired was like a forty point blowout against the Bucks. Um. I think they had, I think that was like their second 30 point blowout to the Bucks that season. So, you know, that was the kind of thing that, that the Knicks became known for was like, how much are they going to lose by? Uh, and now, under, you know, under Tom Thibodeau, a lot of things have changed.
0: It's, it's just nice to see. And I know that we've gotten like last year was kind of like a, a weird disappointment, let down season for the New York Knicks. So it's nice to see them kind of bounce back. And add pieces and not be sellers at the trade deadline. Add three and D wing players that you know could help the team long term. And it, it's it it's just nice to see the Knicks trending in the right direction for once.
1: <clears throat> like you said, better for basketball when the Knicks are good. It, it
0: really is. I you know what? Hate to say it. I don't hate to say it. Actually, <laughs> I, you, you, know, know, you
2: don't, don't, don't hate to say it. it. You don't have to. Um. So. With that being said, now there's another team
0: that is worth mentioning that does play at MSG. And uh, we have to talk about the NHL trade deadline. We have to talk about the fact that this was one of the most active trade deadlines we've seen in ever <laughs> for the NHL. It's, it's unbelievable. I have a timeline here. I'm looking for the timeline. I know NHL actually posted like a roundup. Of all the trades I'm looking for it right now, but I mean, like you said before, uh people were disappointed with the final day of the trade deadline, but you can't help but not be disappointed with the fact that there were big time trades going on two weeks out before the trade deadline even even was around.
1: yeah, it was deadline week, not deadline day i mean, there was I think it's better that way too, and you get you know you get that constant action for. A bunch of days instead of like one crazy day at the end. Um, yeah, but there was a ton that went on. The, the, the Patrick Kane saga itself felt like it took two weeks yeah. to patch out. You know, I was ready for him to go to the Rangers from you know, a couple of weeks ago, and then uh, it just took that long to iron out the details. But
0: I mean, I'm going to read off names that were traded. Yeah. You know Obviously, I'm not going to say every single one of them. But you tell me when you could remember a trade deadline that had this much star power in it. So we kicked it off with the first two trades is Bo Harvard and Vladimir Tarasenko right off the bat. Wow, amazing. Then you see Ryan O'Reilly get traded, Dmitry Orlov, Nino Nita Ryder, Evgeny Dadanov. You know, Timo Meyer was another huge one as well. Great addition for the New Jersey. I was going to say the New Jersey Nets. Wow. The
2: the
0: New Jersey Devils. Tanner Janot as well. Um, Marcus Johansson. Luke Shen, who I feel like has been traded like 65 times in his career up until this point. Uh, Matthias Ekholm as well. Tyson Berry. Gustav Nyquist. Patrick Kane. You got Jonathan Quick is someone that I never thought I'd see get traded. Not only did he get traded once, he got traded twice. Uh, (laughs) Lars Eller was another one. Shane Bear. Just so many Teddy Bluger and a couple big ones here for Pittsburgh at the end. Michael Grandlin was huge. And then Boston getting Tyler Bertuzzi, a guy who's under contract for quite some time, is a 30-goal scorer already this season. That seems like something that is just going to take them. If they weren't the best team in the NHL, which they clearly are already, and Stanley Cup favorites, that's going to take them even further over the edge. And then, you know, we have the first brothers trade in NHL history, as well, that was pretty cool. The Arizona Coyotes traded Nick Ritchie to the Calgary Flame for Brett Ritchie. So that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty interesting as well. You know, just the last day I will say was kind of subdued. I guess you know, um, the Penguins got Nick Bonino, which feels like for the seventh time in his career as well. You know, it's just just a lot of big names got traded, and and it really shakes up the league. And and I love the fact that there were teams that were acquiring players that weren't the big time teams. Like we saw the Ottawa senators go after some, you know, the Ottawa senators are five points out of even being considered for the wild card Mm -hmm. and they're still going for it. You know what I mean? They're getting players. They're acquiring players. The Minnesota wild acquired a lot of players as well. The Oilers, of course, I mean, at home was, was a really really big addition for
1: them. How about the East? I mean the the there are six and and six for now, but you know six legitimate teams in that conference that are going to make the playoffs look uh, insane. You know obviously the Bruins are having a historic year. Uh, they're already past yeah. 100 points, uh, but the Rangers are are pretty loaded up now. The Devils have continued to win, and now they have Timo Meyer. Um, you know, we know the Maple Leafs are threats in the first, we'll see if they get out of the first round, but they have the talent to be a threat. Uh, the Lightning are the Lightning still. Uh, and then, the, you know, the Hurricanes, out of all that, are leading uh, the Metro division. Uh, those six teams are going to make the playoffs incredible. And then, you know, I'm looking below them in the standings. The two wildcard teams right now are two teams that made a big impact at the deadline. Uh, with the Islanders with uh, Bo Horvat and uh, and the Penguins with Bramley. So. You know, this—I mean, I, not to not to say the West is you know nowhere near, it, but the it's east. Not. Is, but it, but the East is going to be what people are focused on in the playoffs this year. You don't know, uh, watch some random team from the West win. Oh yeah. isn't it funny
0: that you think like think about it like this, like in basketball and in it's so cyclical for both sports that we go through this tumultuous period where like. I feel like five years ago in the NBA and the NHL, the West was just head and shoulders yeah. better than the East. And now we've seen it shift, even dude, even in football with the NFC and AFC. Like five years ago, the NFC was like untouchable. Patrick Mahomes comes around, Joe Burrow. Now you look at all the quarterbacks that are in the AFC and you're like, oh my God, like the NFC is never going to win a Super Bowl ever again. You know, it, it, we, we just go through these periods where like, there was one point where I think the Rangers were like fourth in the Atlantic and they would be the number one seed in the West. Like It's just like that insane, how crazy the East is right now. And I don't know, I feel like I haven't seen enough media discussion about just how impressive the Boston Bruins are this year. I mean, it is just, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I feel like we've seen this years prior, you know, you think of, was it when the Lightning absolutely dominated throughout the entire season, then they lost in four games to the Columbus Blue Jackets? Yeah. You know, when you think of the Carolina hurricane last year, were pretty much world beaters, they lost to the Rangers. You know, you always see like what was the last time a president's well didn't the the Avalanche won the President Trophy last year, right? Or was it the- um,
1: the- Did they did they break that curse?
0: That's what I was just gonna say. It's the President's yeah. trophy curse, but I think they broke it. I'm not sure off the top of my head if the if the avalanche won it or not
1: oh, it was the panthers last year
0: oh, yeah, that's right yes yes yes, yes. Yeah, that's right florida and they, they
1: and they were a quick out
0: yeah that's what i'm saying and like it feels different this year about the boston reds mainly because you know i don't look back at the history of the florida panthers and go well this is a team that's destined for a deep run in the playoffs you know, you look at the Boston Bruins, whether they're the number one seed or they sneak into the playoffs on the last day of the season, they're always in for a deep playoff run. So, yeah, I think
1: and A lot of them have done it before in 2019. You know, they came within one within one win of a of the Stanley Cup. When you look at some of those teams that that used to define like winning the president's trophy, but failing in the playoffs like the Capitals, the Sharks, you know, they didn't really have they didn't have guys who had gone on that Stanley Cup final run. So it, it feels like things may be different.
0: I mean, just look at the Bruins, though. It's just incredibly impressive. I mean, we have Allmark, who is a 30-plus game winner already, scored a goal, like, <laughs> is actually good. It's not the, um, uh, what the heck was his name? It's not the Connor Hellebuck, you know, stat line or the, uh, what the hell was the goalie's name for Washington when they won the cup? Drunk healthy. Yes, it's not the Braden Holpe you know curse where it's or the stat line where it's like we well, has fifty eight wins but he has a three five goals against average. You know it's just because his offense is just tearing it up. Olmark is a really really good goalie and he's he's been a beast. And I'm kind of terrified about what's going on with the Rangers today going into Boston facing <laughs> facing the Bruins at one o'clock. I'm I'm a little uh, a little worried about that. But I mean Boston has just been sensational this year. And, and they seem destined for at least, like the very least, making the Stanley Cup final. But I think that they have to be the clear-cut favorites, especially after adding Tyler Bertuzzi as well. They kind of have to be even more clear-cut favorites.
1: Yeah, and they're in position to beat, uh, potentially beat what the Lightning did uh, four years ago. They're forty-eight, eight, and five. Um, and the the Lightning that year finished. I think it's sixty-two. Yeah, sixty-two, sixteen, and four. So you know, sixty-two wins. Uh, they, the Bruins need fourteen in their last twenty-one. If I'm doing that math correct, I, th- I think they can pull that off.
2: I think they can do it. They've been doing it all season.
0: There's yeah. nothing. They've won nine in a row. I can't do it. Right. I mean, that's almost too easy. A six sixty-seven win percentage in your last twenty-one games. It almost seems too easy for them.
1: And do you remember they 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 went into last off season with a lot of drama and uncertainty you know with the they had i think two injuries that were going to impact them this year i know charlie mcavoy missed some time uh they fired bruce cassidy like kind of out of nowhere um you know people thought he was maybe the wrong one to go they kind of some people wanted don sweeney out instead um but you know they got that right i mean jim montgomery whose time with the stars was cut short because of his own
2: issues very sad.
1: Has had you know he? I think he's going to be. I think he's one of the more interesting storylines. This though. I mean, you
0: could have put David Quinn on that bench.
1: Yeah, but look, but, probably but I, I think it's a good thing that he's getting this like redemption tour. Oh yeah, for you know, sure. After after he, Joe would, was next. You know, for those you know for those who don't know, Jim Montgomery's time in but the stars ended because he had uh, alcohol issues. And they fired him because of, um, I, I forget what they described, you know, what are they, whatever they called it, unprofessional behavior, conduct, whatever. Um, you know, then he he checked himself into rehab. And I think he's done it. I think he, he was on somebody's bench last year, maybe the Blues or something like that. Uh, but, you know, he got this amazing opportunity to come in and coach the Bruins. And it, it couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, and he's, he's lived up to it, 40, 48, 8, and 5. So it's kind of a cool... Side story about it.
0: No, hundred percent. You're definitely right about that. I, I'm just saying not to take anything away from the accomplishment, but this is kind of like you know that's an all-star roster. You kind of. Yeah. I'm not saying you could have put anyone behind there because I'm not going to go. Oh, me and you could have you know, coach that team. You know, like obviously not. Like I don't know the first thing about coaching hockey. I don't claim to know the first thing about coaching hockey. Maybe just skate and don't fall is probably like my only piece of advice to that's those. A good players. starting
1: point. Yeah, sure, right? yeah. I mean, that's pretty yeah. solid.
2: go yeah.
0: wrong. Shoot the puck. That's that, that, that. There we go. But I feel like a lot of people could have coached that team to great success, but I'm glad that Jim Montgomery gets another opportunity to get a nice redemption arc for the season. I just hope that it doesn't end in the Stanley Cup. I hope that the Stanley Cup comes to MSG for the first time since 1994. Leads me to my next point of discussion here. I just want to say that I think Chris Drury has done a fantastic job for the New York Rangers. The only gripe I have about anything that he's done, at least this year, is the fact that instead of re-signing Tyler Mott, they had to trade for him again, and they traded Julian Gauthier, which is someone that I actually enjoyed having Gauthier on the team because he added a lot of size. He added some toughness. I guess a lot of people will say, oh, well, you get that in Ben Harper, but whatever that may be, okay, if that's the route that you want to go. but kind of putting a lot of pressure on the New York Rangers right now because this is a team that last year it was kind of like a fun good feeling run to the finals like did we uh, the conference finals did we really think that the Rangers were going to go to the conference finals last year did we even think that they were going to make the playoffs after the year they had before that no you know and as someone that was at many of those games it was a wild ride It it was wild but you're putting a lot of pressure on this team. And I feel like I, I feel like the Rangers are always either one year too late with their moves or one year too early because this seems dangerously close to the Rick Nash, Marty Saint-Louis acquisitions that they made where the Rangers are always going to be there in the semis or the conference finals. They're just not going to be able to get over that hump and even make the finals one year, like in 2014, and just be thoroughly outmatched. I think. A focal a, a point now that you, I want to hear your thoughts on this after I say it. We're getting close to the Igor Shesterkin, Henrik Lundqvist comparisons to maybe could be one of the best goalies ever to not win a Stanley cup. And I know it's really early in Igor's career. And I know that he probably, if he's not going to win it with the Rangers, he'll probably win it somewhere else. The Rangers collapsed every year because they never put a defense, a true defense in front of Henrik Lundqvist. And the years that they did put a true defense in front of Henrik Lundqvist, that was the John Tortorella years where you had your players blocking 78 shots and dying every single night. So you, they were had an inability to score goals. It kind of seems like, especially the way that the Rangers have been playing since the All-Star break, they're really struggling defensively. And I thought that a focal point of the trade deadline should have been bringing in more defensive help. And I kind of feel like they missed the mark on that. It's great getting Vladimir Tarasenko. It's great getting Tyler Mott back. It's amazing getting Patrick Kane for the price that they gave up. But at the end of the day, defense, defense, defense.
1: Well, especially against all these teams in the East. I mean, you you kind of have to like bear down and and you know hope for the best when you when you're facing all these great goal scoring teams in the East in the playoffs. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, it feels like it feels like you kind of. If you look at these these recent Stanley Cup winners they kind of all have a, a high end defenseman you know top tier defenseman at least one of them uh, and it feels like that could be what the rangers are missing um, the the Shesterkin and Lundqvist comparison is interesting because you know I'm I'm not really the type of person to be like oh it's too early for this or that like it's it's good to sense these things coming and I think you're you're probably right about that that that's going to start becoming a storyline um and it, it kind of goes if if that becomes a storyline it might go back to the strength of the east you know is that they're they're building this great team they have a great goaltender um but because of certain flaws on the roster and because of how loaded the conference is they just won't be able to get over the hump um you know i don't want to sound like i'm like i'm jumping ahead of myself here and and kind of well, reminds me do of the same thing, thing so
0: it's okay well
1: yeah but i mean it kind of reminds me of when we had that whole discussion about like oh well this is what's going to happen if the Astros again don't win the World Series and they went out, they won the World Series like a week later. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to, to say a ton of the, these things. And then the Rangers go on and win a Stanley Cup. Um, Dude, I'm glad they, you know, they, my
0: words for that. That's okay.
1: But they didn't. They didn't capitalize it. Capitalize on it with Lundqvist. Um, you know, in his in his great long career. Um, and you know, I feel like they can't just rest on, oh, well, we'll have Shostorkin for the next decade and he'll continue to be great. And we're going to have these opportunities
2: uh, yes, that's every single year, like they did
1: with conquest. Right. So, I mean, it's not like they're they're sitting on not making upgrades. You know, we know what we know what they just did at the deadline between Patrick Kane and Tarasenko. They've got the offense. Um, but I think the the goal going into this past off season was shoring up the defense uh, and there's still work to be done in that department and we'll see how much it matters. I mean, you know, we'll see if the, if the offense can overpower teams um, and just make it not as important in the playoffs. If they were in the West, it might be an easier path, obviously uh, in the East. It's kind of like you have to, to buckle down and, and, you know, hold on for dear life against these, against all these teams, especially when you're the Rangers and you're going to, you're, you know, you're not going to be like a top seed, like the Bruins, you know, even the first round is going to be difficult. I think I right now in the first round, they will be playing the devils which oh. would be a very fun series, a that really would. fun series, and probably a heartbreaking exit for one of those teams because they <laughs> both – feel like Take us back teams. to
0: 2012.
1: Yeah, the Eastern yeah. Conference final. I But that's how low to the East is. It's like, you know, Devils and Rangers seems like, a, like an incredible playoff matchup this year. It, they both feel like teams that don't deserve to be out in the first round, and
2: yeah.
1: one of them would probably be out in the first round. Unless the Devils can jump the Hurricanes, and then you have – Canes and Rangers in the first
2: round, which is
0: it's it's so funny because then you say that and you're like, well, do the Hurricanes deserve to be a first round? Right. That? Yeah. No, everyone no. is just deserving of being having a deep
2: playoff run, it feels like.
1: Yeah, those two matchups, the two um, the two non card matchups in the first round, which is, you know, as of right now, the Rangers and Devils and then the, the Leafs and Lightning, which we seem to be getting every year. Those two would be would be incredible to watch. I mean, the, the, those would be the highlights of the first round for sure.
0: Yeah, it's. I, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here with that kind of talk, but it's the just playoffs makes, come
1: up. They come up quickly. I mean, twenty it's, years it's, it's
2: left it's in the regular season closer than you
0: think. That's for sure. Yeah, it's. Um, but it's a lot of fun to speculate and to kind of get into it. I, I try not to. Get into it too hard yet because I know the Rangers still have a lot of work to do. They have to get back to playing some of their best hockey. Uh, haven't looked good since the All Star break. Uh, I know that they went on, you know, they were on a sensational run. I shouldn't say that actually. They went on a sensational eight game run, and now they're in this weird skid of even their win against the Los Angeles Kings didn't really feel like a tremendous triumph. So I feel like we need to get back to seeing the Rangers win all three stages of the ice and get back to it but overall incredible trade deadline saw a lot of star power move to a lot of different teams shook up the league for sure or you know we're going to see a lot of teams this is the time where you last 20 games or so you buckle down this is where you make your playoff run there's 60 points to be had i'm sorry there's 40 points to be had i'm on i'm on a soccer point schedule sometimes um there's forty points to be had and you know it's it's time to buckle down but You know, moving on to something that we both want to talk about, something that we're excited sort of kind of to talk about is we want to give our opinions on these new MLB uh, rule changes so far and what we've seen implemented in spring training so far. I got to be honest with you, Dan. I do like what I see. I really do. And I know that a huge focal point of this uh, spring training and are they implementing this in the World Baseball Classic too or no?
1: I don't know. I would say probably not, but um, I don't think. that would be kind of counter. I don't think MLB actually governs the World Baseball Classic, even though they have some involvement. I don't think. I think technically they don't
2: govern it, but yeah, somebody does. the 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 rule
0: changes so far have been for for the better, and I know that a lot of a a lot of people have been looking at the uh, end of uh, you know game time. You know how long and, how long the games are taking. I kind you kind of can't really look at that yet. You have to look at that in the regular season. Really, not even in the first couple months. I feel like June would be a really good uh, you know starting point to kind of look and see how well this pitch clock and this hitter clock as it has been implemented in the games, because, you know, first couple months, you're still getting all the kinks out of, of, you know, your team. You're not firing on all cylinders. Warmer baseball is better, more fluid baseball than cold weather months as well. So maybe even may in some areas could be a good starting point to kind of see how these games are really being affected. You know, I mean, (laughs) the, the best point, to look for is a is a uh, Yankees Red Sox game because Yankees and Red Sox notoriously play the longest games in MLB history. So if you can get a Yankee Red Sox game down to like two hours and 45 minutes, you the MLB has accomplished exactly what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, now you're gonna make me you're gonna turn me against the rule change. Like I how am I what am I gonna do with though without those four hour Yankees Red Sox games? <laughs> I have to devote
0: my entire Saturday afternoon to a Yankee Red Sox game.
1: What do I do when they end? <laughs> um you know, I mean I, I think yeah, there was when when this when this when spring training first began, a lot of people were up in arms on Twitter. You know, people acting like acting like the apocalypse just came upon baseball. Um, I, I do think most people now seem to be in favor of it. They're seeing yeah. the difference. You know, we were talking before we we came on here. Um, you know about some of those overlays where, like, you see uh, they compare like somebody throwing a full inning in spring training uh, versus somebody you know throwing one pitch in the postseason. <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, that's where the game has improved. Um, I think my only concerns are sometimes it feels like. And I haven't watched a ton of baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I admit, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care about watching spring training baseball. It doesn't count. I'm so right I'll there. Watch it. I'll watch it every day, it's fine with me. Um, but from the, the clips I've seen, I just hope that pitchers aren't forced to rush. You know, because that's where it becomes like you want fast baseball, but you don't want rushed baseball. And, it, you yeah. know, it feels like maybe a couple more seconds could be put on the clock.
2: What um, is it, twenty?
1: I think it's 20, you know, but you've got to like, you know, the batter has to come set at six or seven. And so, you know, I, I wish, um, you know, I just hope they're not rushing. And if they don't feel rushed, then that's fine with me. But if they feel rushed, or if the game feels rushed, you know, that's obviously what we don't want. Um, but it should benefit baseball uh, a lot. My only, my only question, and in, in spring, it doesn't seem like it's an issue. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if it, we'll see if it becomes an issue when real baseball begins. I hope it doesn't, hurt um, offense in baseball. You know, everything everything MLB is doing right now has to be about getting more offense in the game. You know, you can't have the league average being 238 or whatever it is. Um, And they're trying. You know, the shift restrictions are a part of that. The bigger bases are even a part of that. I just hope that... um, I just hope that the fast pitching i'm a, I'm a fan of bigger bases. We could talk about that. I hope that the fast pitching isn't like too much for the hitter to deal with because' it's
0: i haven't even seen what the bigger bases in comparison to the old ones even look like
1: yeah i mean they're not they're not massive but um i mean i th- I think it's a good thing look the people there were they were too small before I think you can't it was hard to fit two feet on the base when you have guys running full speed at each other. That's a pretty um, big difference. It's, it's, it's sizable, but it's not massive. And I, yeah, I think, But it could make a difference. I mean, how many bang-bang plays do you see on stolen bases constantly? Yeah. So I, I, think, it's, I think we actually – I hope we, we see an uptick in stolen bases. I think that makes things a little more fun. Um, and, you know, oh, hopefully nice. not, as, not as much injury risk and more stolen bases and, you know, maybe even a couple more infield hits if we're going to yeah. talk about you it. Know that, you know what I
0: said? They should have done for the longest time. Remember when you're in little in little league and you're like seven years old and you run through first base and there's the white base that the first basin stands on and the orange base that the runner runs through. <laughs> I always thought that they should just do that in the MLB.
2: You know, I, I
0: mean a lot of people nowadays <laughs> might say hey that's a good idea to avoid player collisions and you know people stepping on each other's feet but like give me a break. But I always thought that, that was that would that would have been like a funny concept.
1: The rule changes are happening so quickly you might be on to something. We might see that one of these years. No, but I, I'm I'm
0: all for it so far. I'm we talked about it before, being old school baseball fans, I'm not really like I'm I'm not so subject to change as I am with other sports. But see, like, for instance, a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick for me in football would make the game that much more exciting because you already know that no one is converting an onside kick. What was it, like three out of, like, 200 attempts last season? Yeah, well,
1: the, the easier solution might be just bring back onside kick used to be. You know, they, yeah. What The change is that they, they don't give them a running start uh, on any kickoffs, and it was really designed for the other kickoff, you know, the real kickoff, mm-hmm. to avoid injuries. Um, but there's no running start. And so that, like, r- eliminated any chance anybody had of the covering thinking, I also kind of like – I also kind of
0: like now – well, now we're getting into it, so I have to say. I also kind of like what the XFL is doing with the kickoffs as well, where both teams just stand five, five yards apart from each other. And they don't start moving until the returner catches the football. I think that that's a very interesting – concept not only because I mean think about let's be real think about one of the most exciting plays in the NFL it's a kickoff return it really is especially in today's football where it's just so rare to the point that like what was there like five kickoff return touchdowns last year and two of them were in the same game like that was electric like Naheem Hines returning that first kick I mean obviously it meant a lot more than just a kickoff return but like it's an electric part of the game and it's a game changing play. I I would be completely for changing stuff like that because it, and also, like you said, it adds more offense into it. If I could start my, if my offense could start on the 36 yard line instead of the 23 yard line, there you go. That offers more points for you right there. And I feel like it's the same thing with baseball too. Bigger bases, like you said, getting rid of the shift to a certain degree, as we've already seen, teams have figured out ways uh, to combat that. Uh, we saw Joey Gallo. I <laughs> saw a <laughs> so funny meme, Dan. It was like Joey Gallo. I can't wait to start the 2023 MLB <laughs> season, and then it was the picture of the shift, and he was like, "God damn, it <laughs> got me." But I don't. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, I don't know what team they were playing. Do you remember what team it was? Oh, the Reds, right? Was it the Reds? I have
1: no idea. Okay, so let's. Just I, say I saw the I saw the 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 still picture of it, but I I don't know which team it was. Let's say the
0: Reds, just for you know, just for argument's sake. So Joey Gallo comes up, and the infield is aligned the way that it would be aligned, maybe a little bit pinched up the middle. Actually, if you look at the infield alignment, yeah. and then you see the left fielder where the third baseman used to play in the shift, they completely abandoned left field. Now, obviously, there's some I mean, they beat the shift change right then and there. Now we're going to have to wait an entire season probably for another rule change to where you can't move the player from their original alignment. Um, I thought it was genius. I thought that was a – and you know what, to be honest with you, it's not as bad as having the shift because now instead of having literally like five players on one side of the field – you have three. You have the left fielder in between there, then you have the second baseman playing his regular position, and the first baseman playing his regular position, and then, of course, the right fielder. It's a little bit better. I mean, there's a little bit more room. Instead of to, listen, to the point where, like, in the shift, if you hit the ball to the right side, you might as well just walk the dugout. It doesn't matter how hard you hit it. It doesn't matter where you put it. There was someone there to, you know, Get put out, assessed whatever it may be. Now it feels a little bit different to the point where maybe a few hits could squeeze through. To so the, the the rebuttal to that is, well, now you're leaving left field completely open, like completely open to the point where it's. You know what would be funny? Actually, I just thought about it while I was saying it. What if you slide the third baseman over to cover in between third base and and second base, and then you move the shortstop out to left
2: field. Or
1: I thought like you start. have to have. I thought you have to have like feet on the dirt.
2: Is that Which what it is? is? I, know, I, I, I believe. You,
1: I believe you have to be. You have to start out on the dirt, well, um, with two people on each side of second base. Okay,
0: so if you start out, you know, so it, as as soon as the pitch is thrown, softball style, you run out to left field.
1: <laughs> I believe it start out because, like, how do you police when somebody starts running? But yeah, I don't. I feel like if somebody started doing that, uh, you might see another rule change, which is, you know, you can't run like a ten year old out to out to the outfield.
0: <laughs> I just thought it would be funny, but yeah, you're leaving you're leaving left field completely abandoned. So, like, say the off chance that Joey Gallo hits a nubber off the end of his bat down the left field line. Joey Gallo's got pretty decent speed. He could probably get it inside the park home run. He's gone. That's yeah. I,
1: I, I need to see that. We need we need to have that happen. Need, He's got to hit one
2: out there.
0: You know what I need to see? I need to see a bunt home run. I need to see like you, you ever see? I think it was like Ozzy Albie's a few years ago. He tried to drag bunt, and it it actually wound up popping over the second baseman's head, like for for like a double or whatever it was, because it was no it was just in no man's land. That's what I want to see. I want to see Joey Gallo attempt a bunt, and it's against like Johan Duran or something. Actually, they're on the same team, can't they? So Andres Mun- uh, Munez or whatever his name is, you know, he throws a 103-mile-per-hour fastball. It clips off the bat, and it flies into left field, and it goes all the way down the line. And he rounds the bases for home run.
1: <laughs> Have you seen those edited videos, though, where, you know, people are like, Oh, the juice balls are getting out of hand, and it's like hey, it a yeah. video of somebody bunting, and it ends up like in you know the right field seats, yeah. and then you find you get people in the comments they are like, "Is this real? This really happened? This is crazy." I, that's I what, that's what you're yeah. looking for.
0: Because I'm always like, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely, that's yeah." Like, of course it's right. real. What are you talking about? Would the internet ever lie to you? But God, <laughs> no, it, it, it's 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 going to be interesting, and it gives left-handed hitters way more incentive to learn how to hit the ball the opposite way. And I would do it in secret too. If I was like Joey Gallo, I'd like, you know, in, in between innings, you know, I'd go down to the cage, you know, hit the ball a couple times the opposite way and then run out and just kind of clip, clip it to the, to the left side. Why doesn't anyone take the Ichiro style anymore? Like I would love to see Joey Gallo get a running start out of the box and just nub a ball over the third baseman's head. Like, no one no one takes it into consideration anymore. And it's these but, damn uh, analytics telling you, I'd rather see you swing and try and hit a whole run than get a double down the line. In what way, shape, or form does that make any sense whatsoever?
1: But, you know, hitting, I mean, when you talk about hitting to a certain part of the field, it's easier said than done. I mean, hitting is hard enough. Like, you know, we we're seeing these, Batting averages and the lack of contact. Like, it's hard enough just to make contact and hit the ball. But they don't the even try to, not no one
0: tries to hit the ball the opposite
1: way. Hitting the baseball is hard enough. I mean, you can't, how are you? The first thing you do before you before you can try hitting the ball to the opposite field is actually hit the baseball. Yeah, yeah. And it's not easy right now to hit the ball. Damn, I understand.
0: I played college baseball. I, <laughs> I, under, I understand that hitting a baseball is hard. But there's no effort. Into trying to hit the ball, into trying, you could see it in the way that they swing. When Joey Gallo takes a massive step and he swings out of his shoes, the first thought in his head is, "I hope I poke this to the opposite field." That's not the thought process. It's, "Well, screw it. I don't know how to hit the ball in the opposite field. Let me just take a hack and hope that I can hit it over the fence in the right field." There's, and, and you've seen it all over. It's, it's everywhere, and it really, you can't really blame the players because if
2: If the coaches just step
0: in and go, "Listen, Joey, I want you two days out of the week during practice or batting practice, I want you to only focus on hitting the ball the opposite field.
2: okay, coach,
0: no problem. no, it's just well, there's fans here that are hoping for souvenirs. Let me see if I can hit this ball six hundred and eighty two feet. That's all it is. There's no Have you been to a game early enough to see batting practice? It's just a home run competition. That's all it is.
2: There's no there's no practice being put into it. Yeah, and a lot, even, a lot of
1: teams don't even part when I say it. you <laughs> do, but a lot of teams don't even do. and a lot of teams don't even do batting practice anymore. Or you know they only do them on they only do them when they're at home or things yeah. like that, um, which is something. Although they, you know they do have batting cages, but um, I, I I still I continue to think it's easier said than done.
2: Of course, according of, of to the opposite field. Done.
1: Especially when guys are throwing you know, 101 at you, which, which I, I don't think they do in, at, you know, in college or, or wherever you're hitting. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Maybe they are throwing I mean, 101.
0: Well, I mean, listen. Actually, that should give you all the more incentive to try and hit the ball. Listen, anything that you say right now, Dan, I'm just going to have a rebuttal, to. But <laughs> I mean, listen. If someone's throwing that hard, just be a little late on it. Just slash the opposite field. I'm just saying. There's more plate coverage when you try and hit the ball the opposite field. I to, listen.
2: Whatever. I, you know. It's, when it's when
1: are the Yankees going to hire you as their hitting coach? When are they going to? Well, that would just be a
0: terrible team team. idea. That would just be that would be horrible.
1: That sounds um, like you have some ideas.
0: I mean, listen. As someone that honestly hits the ball the opposite field better than hit, pulling the ball. Maybe I know a thing or two about a thing or two. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, anyway, before everyone starts to hate me that listens to this, if they already don't already from my old funny-duddy boomer style of, of baseball talk, um, listen, I'm open to ideas. I'm just saying. I'm just saying just I'm saying, open to ideas. Don't persecute me for my funny-duddy way of not, thinking Not whatever.
1: persecuting you. No, no persecution. Not you.
0: Everyone that's listening <laughs> like,
1: we do have to. We do have to get to our um, March Madness. Our look at yes, that. and this is a
0: Dan Tracy led. Uh, oh my God, we completely skipped over March Madness. Yeah, so
1: I'm trying to got to make sure we circle back to it.
0: Go for it. This is the Dan Tracy segment. Well, all right.
1: I, all right.
0: I am just a pupil in your professor knowledge of March Madness.
1: Sure, sure. All right, pupil. Um, yeah, but we are um, days out from the start of the the power conference tournaments. We already have some conference tournaments going on for uh, smaller conferences, which are you know just as exciting and uh, maybe not as meaningful, but just as exciting. Um, with it today, actually, I don't know. I don't know exactly when this episode is going to go up, but as of as of today, we're recording Saturday morning. Uh, it's the last Saturday of the regular season. The regular season really ends tomorrow. Um, I think the Big Ten has some games. Um, but, you know, the, the postseason is officially on. I think uh, today actually we have our first teams clinching uh, tournament bids, which is really going to be like a couple 16 seeds. Uh, but it's the start of something. Um, the funny thing is from last time we talked about this, I was talking a little bit about the the number one seeds and about Alabama and about how they have, um, you know, what a ridiculous freshman, uh, Brandon Miller, uh, and then I think a couple of days later was when he was uh, accused of bringing a gun to a murder scene uh, in January. So th- that tells you how long it's been since we recorded last time. Um, but for anybody who's wondering, he's still playing. He was not suspended. He was not charged with the crime. Uh, Alabama has handled it um, not very well with their public comments. But um, But, you know, like people have said, he has rights. Um, and he hasn't been charged, and he's not going to be charged with anything. So Alabama is continuing to let him play, but it's just one—it's one, it's one uh, extra storyline heading into March that's going to make an otherwise maybe unspectacular uh, Alabama team when it turns when it comes to storylines into a, a, a interesting team to watch uh, in the in in the postseason in the tournament. Um, there's some amazing conference tournament games conference tournaments to watch next week. The Big East has like five teams. St. John's, maybe. It's, St. John's is not one of them. The Big East has like five teams that are in the top 25. Uh, Marquette, Xavier, UConn, Providence, Creighton, not John. St. John's. Uh, St. John's is going to be eighth or ninth in that conference. Uh, hey, better I, than last. I, better than last, which is Georgetown, I believe. Yeah, Georgetown's horrible. Georgetown's horrible. Um... But but St. John's is uh not not having a year to be proud of. You're
2: just a hater. <laughs> <laughs>
1: who knows? I mean they're they're if they win the fir- their first round matchup next week they're gonna play Marquette, who they actually play today. Oh god. <laughs> um, the number six team in the country. Who knows if they could pull off an upset that would be uh that would be a story. Who's
0: their first round matchup? Who are they playing?
1: They played Butler in the eight nine game.
0: Oh come on, but Butler, Easy, easy,
2: done. Win. Easy, yeah, done. easy win. Easy. Okay.
0: All right. Okay. Okay. So, so mark that right. down. Mark, mark it down right yeah. now. Yeah. You know what? I'll even give you a score prediction. You ready for this? Oh, no. 75-59, fifty-nine, St. John's. Seventy-five
1: fifty-nine. Okay. Well, listen, I they've surprised in the in the Big East tournament before. I mentioned to you, I think, uh, when we weren't recording a few weeks ago, that that final game before uh the the world came crashing down in twenty twenty. I always said March,
0: that, that was St. John's year.
1: 12 p.m., the 12 p.m. game uh, in the quarterfinals of the Big East, March 12th, 2020, when everything was being canceled around us, the Big East started play uh, with no fans in the seats on March 12th. St. John's was, I think, like, they they were like where they were this year, like one of the last seeds in the Big East uh, playing Creighton, who was going to be a tournament team, and they were up by, like, 20 at halftime. And then they canceled the tournament and canceled everything else after that. So uh, St. John's that year, I guess you could argue, was your rightful Big East champion. Uh, maybe even your rightful national champion, with the with considering they were the last team to play.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Listen, so who knows? They've done it before. They've had they've had moments in the Big East tournament.
0: Um, listen, you know you know why they canceled the Big East tournament that year? It wasn't because of COVID.
1: They were afraid of St. John's. I mean, they game. were
0: scared of St. John's. That's what it was.
1: And how can you blame them?
0: Seriously, I mean, come on. See, St. John's just gets to this point where they're just they're just they're laying low, and then they get to the games that actually matter, in the Big East tournament, and then they're going to slide in as a 15 seed, and they're going to be the Florida Gulf Coast University of this year.
1: To be honest, it's probably where they would end up, like a 14 seed or something. So um, I don't think you have to worry about it. But you never know if they listen if they pull off a shocker. You'll be the first person I think of. Uh, but aside from the Big East, uh, the Big 12 tournament is going to be incredible. They, there's like at, at at one point or at one point or another this year, every every single team in the Big 12 has been in tournament contention. All 10 of them, um, and right now eight of them are are still in the tournament contention. So that's crazy. So, you know, even the very first round where they have like the 7-10 matchup or 8-9 matchup was going to be impactful uh, to the tournament. The SEC looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's really kind of come together the last month or maybe the last few weeks where they've got like half the league, half the conference going to the tournament. Um, you know, Kentucky's gotten better. Texas A&M's gotten better. Arkansas is good. Missouri's good. Tennessee was the best team in the conference and they lost their point cards, So who knows where they're going to be at. Um, I, oh, I, I was wrong to say Tennessee was the best team in the conference. Alabama is the best team in the conference, um, but you know they've they've kind of had some shaky moments ever since the gun controversy. Uh, and then there's Auburn, who's uh, who almost beat Alabama the other night. So seven real solid teams in that conference. Um, the ACC tournament, do not watch. It's not going to be good. Uh, the the ACC is not having a year to be proud of.
0: Who's who's going to come out on top? You think?
1: Well, I mean, Virginia is far and away the top seed in that conference, but they've been playing pretty awfully lately. Um, so who knows who's going to make a run? I mean, Duke and North Carolina are capable of it. And North Carolina might not even make the tournament. And yet they're, saying that they're capable of winning the ACC. Um, Pitt has beaten a lot of those teams. They've beaten a lot of those top teams, believe it or not, in the conference. And Pitt's pro- probably going to be a tournament team. They have a couple of bad losses in there. Um, NC State is kind of one of those teams that beats a lot of them at home. They, they've kind of had a tough time on the road, but, you know, ACC tournament is neutral site. So they have to play in front of like a tough environment. Um, there are a bunch of teams that can win that. Virginia is the most talented probably. Well, unless you count North Carolina. Uh, Virginia is probably the most talented. We'll see if they can actually pull it off. I, I wouldn't recommend it. I'll be watching. I wouldn't recommend anybody else watching it. Uh, and then the Big Ten, let me – I'm going to – pull up right now the big, Ten, the big 10 standings uh because it's kind of incredible where everybody the way everybody is uh set there at the top so here's the big 10 standings okay this is the the in-conference record so Purdue is 14 and 5 cool they're gonna you know, probably gonna be a one seed they could be a two actually if they if they don't win the big 10 And then there's Illinois, eleven and eight. Indiana, eleven and eight. Maryland, eleven and eight. Northwestern, eleven and eight. Iowa, eleven and eight. Michigan, eleven and eight. Um, Michigan State, ten and nine. Rutgers, ten and nine. Uh, Michigan State, ten and eight. Rutgers, ten and nine. There's six teams tied at eleven and eight for the two through seven seeds in the Big Ten. And then there's the Michigan State at ten and eight, and Rutgers at ten and nine. Which I guess technically Rutgers can even move up, like all the yeah. way back to the top, even at the as the nine seed right now. That conference is completely off the rails. Um, you know, this weekend is gonna is gonna sort some of it out, but you know, the seeding. Um, but you know, just to tell you how crazy this Michigan entered the night um, entered Thursday night as the number two seed in the conference. They lost to Illinois in double overtime, and now they are seventh in the conference. So the Big Ten is not having its absolute greatest year. Nobody, I, I'm pretty confident saying nobody here is going to be like a championship contender, unless right. something crazy happens. But the tur- the Big Ten tournament itself could be pretty ridiculous. So that's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on next week, and then the bracket comes out on Sunday the uh, the 12th, eight days from now.
0: All right. All right, very good. Um, so I want to know who is coming out of the Mountain West. Uh,
1: <laughs> the Mountain West is a good conference. We, you can laugh all you want. The Mountain West is is has uh, may send as many as four teams to the tournament. Probably three.
0: Okay, who are those teams?
1: San Diego State is probably going to be like a five C six. Uh, Boise State should be in. They actually just beat San Diego State on the road. And then uh, Utah State and Nevada are on the bubble. So we'll see which Utah State, which, which got in on its own uh, two years ago, I think without winning the conference Um, and they, they lost in the first round and they got in, I think they won the conference and became an eight seed a
2: a year before that or two years before that. So funny. Isn't
0: it so funny how like athletic, like departments vary for like schools. I know that you have, you know, some like obviously Alabama is having a great season and like Alabama's always a not in football and all that but like half of these teams you would never think in like other in like other sports are good and then like of course baseball is completely different every team that's good basically in baseball has like a terrible basketball and terrible like football program too it's
1: just yeah. it's, it's uh, those SEC like that. teams that end up winning.
0: Yeah, well, of course. But 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 look at it like that. Like Vanderbilt is a terrible football team. Oh yeah, Vanderbilt always has a great baseball team.
1: And, all, and you know, Ole Miss never has a basketball team. You know, every five years maybe their basketball team is relevant. But Ole Miss won the, the college world series last year. Um, and by the way, just to throw in there, Utah State's coach is the coach of the UMBC team that was a 16 seed that upset Virginia uh, five years ago. So he's been 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 here done that.
0: That was unbelievable. I remember that was like what well, that was the first time a sixteen beat a one, right? Yep.
2: First and only.
0: Unbelievable, dude. Well, our correspondent for college basketball, Dan Tracy, thank you for joining us on that. That was very insightful. I'm looking forward to more updates as it goes along because I could sit here and talk all I want and say that, yeah, I you know, I'm I'm more into it, but the fact of the matter is, I am, but I'm still not doing any research whatsoever. So um, I only look at scores basically, and I'm like, "Ah, that team looks good." But that's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna base my uh, my picks. But I'm hoping that I'm hoping St. John's wins at NIT. <laughs>
1: but like I've told you, usually those brackets do better than the than the ones from people like me. You know it. You know that they always finish better than than
0: most people. always pick just like a random like like. I always pick like I don't pick the big big upsets, but I'll pick like uh what is it? Like like a ten over like a s like a what is it, ten, 10 and seven play it's each other. Oh
1: one. you're going bold.
0: Yeah, so that's <laughs> it. That's it. Or, or like a or six and eleven or whatever, like you know, ones that are like considered upsets, but not like terrible upsets. Like
1: I um I always do a coin flip bracket too. I've done that for years. Oh, that's a good one. And there's it, it's always gets concerning when the coin flip bracket is doing as well as my usual bracket. Because <laughs> it's happened before. It it's happened where like the coin flip sometimes turns out like it actually realistic like finish. Oh, like like three realistic Final Four teams. And it's like like well that's unfortunate that they <laughs> And then there's like one year where they had like Hawaii winning the whole thing or like Yale winning the whole thing. Hey, listen,
0: you never know.
2: All right. You never Let's know. You never you. know. You never know.
0: All right. Uh I did want to mention one thing about the NFL combine, but you know, I'm not going to because I I'm in a good I'm in a good mindset right now. I'm in a good mood. I don't wanna ruin I don't want to sour my Saturday mood here on this. So I think I'm gonna let it slide and uh by the time we roll around again for next episode, maybe I'll just lead off with it and get it out of the way. Because then pro days will come up so it'll still be relevant. So
1: yeah. Well, now um, we'll never know. Well, we will, but... No, you'll
0: not. Oh, you'll Don't worry about it. <laughs> By the way, I just want to let everyone know one thing. Uh, Bryce Young, 5'10", 204 pounds. That's my exact measurables as well. So I am <laughs> Bryce Young.
1: You, you are Bryce Young.
0: I am Bryce Young. I thought that was so funny when I saw that this morning that he measured out like that, I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm like... And I'm just saying the thought of me playing professional football, because I honestly have a similar body composition to Bryce Young.
2: It's a really scary (laughs) thought. It's a really scary thought, but I'll leave you off with that thought. So Dan, coming back to it, this was a great episode 29.
0: And episode 30 is right around the corner. We're getting into our 30s here. This is uh, a super exciting time. I'm excited about this.
1: Yeah, episode 30 coming up. I think episode 30 is going to be a big one when you consider what we've, I know, who knows when we're recording, but with free agency starting, Yeah. you know, franchise tag deadline will be passed. Maybe we'll even hear something from Aaron Rodgers by then. Um, but then, of course, March Madness going on. World Baseball Classic will get started in about a week. So, uh, there's, I feel like when we get when we hit 30, there's going to be even 31 and 32. There's going to be a ton to talk about. It's going to be a good one.
0: Very very excited about this. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. A little bit of a shorter episode, but you know, not as much to talk about this week. But of course, you know me and Dan, we go off on our side tangents. You know, we we always talk, we randomly talk about something that has nothing to do with what we set out for. You know, me forgetting about March Madness, even though we wanted to say that right after the NBA, but I rolled right into the NHL. And Dan being the true class act that he is, he didn't want to embarrass me and cut me off and say, no, we have to do this. So I appreciate
2: him for that. And I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you guys so much.